Hey, it's the Bakesh Podcast, brought to you by me, Don, and it's across the table from me is you. Oh, so my name is you, Scott. Yes. Uh, so but you, you, Scott? But you should talk right into the microphone. Oh, sorry. Oh, yes. Not uh-huh. Whoa. Okay. You're Hello. Clipping. You're quipping. Sorry. I don't know. Hold on. That's probably me, actually. Let's make you clip. Okay. We did a sound check to see if we had sound, but I didn't see what the sound levels were. Oh, whoops. Yeah, that sounds good. So me, Don, you, Scott? Yes. That's what we just said. Right. Right? Yes. Okay. And uh, one word of warning, I upgraded my computer and with the software on it, and if you hear dings and alerts, <laughs> it's because I didn't disable those. Oh, okay. So we'll see how that goes. Oops. Oh, so the, would the dings and alerts come through on the mic then? I don't know. They're coming through my headphones. Oh, okay. Why I was going to say, I don't hear anything. so bad. All right, let's try... What's this button do? Hello? That's usually wow. what I do. I push buttons until... Yeah. The thing I push is my, buttons. I'm not even getting a read on the. It's only clipping on here. So every once in a while, Sarah and I will do a um, <clears throat> a date where we go and test drive cars that we can't afford, and we always get. We don't ever want to buy cars with a lot of buttons because that means they'll break. But we oh, like right. pushing buttons on <laughs> other people's cars um, or on cars that we get to test drive that we can't afford. Um, we don't know what they do half the time, but we find out after we push them. So far, nothing bad's happened. There's this, um, I wonder if this will do it. There's this guy that um, has this uh, YouTube channel. He's like an old, older gentleman. And he talks about cars you should never, oh, no. Okay, we're good. Um, cars you should, quit pressing buttons, uh, that you should never buy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he basically talks, he, he's like, Acuras are great, but they have so many electronic things. Oh, in yeah. But he's kind of a, Funny old guy. Well, sometimes though, these these new cars have like multiple computers in them, and mine, mine has twelve. Yeah, and that's what, that's how they tried to sell me on the extended warranty. They're like, well, you know, there's twelve computers in there, and sometimes those cost more than the engine itself. Mm. Like when when we thought our van was going to go down and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it, and all it needed was a cell phone update. Well, that's what I called it, but like. You know, a little update to the computers and stuff. A little software firmware update. Right. And, and it took them weeks to figure it out. And they're like, you might need a new engine. And the new engine would have cost more than the... Co- or no, they said you might need a new computer. And the new computers would have cost more than a new engine on that thing. I was like, what? We were Because ta- we have a old Chevy Traverse that's like trying to die on us and we keep reviving it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking to our mechanic about getting a new van and asking like what he sees and recommends and like what comes in a lot and what doesn't so on and so forth and he told us your brand was one he would not the old brand you had oh yeah the kia oh i wasn't sure if we were oh, to say that i don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he was like don't don't get that uh he said obviously stay away from like chrysler dodge mm-hmm. he's like he's like get yourself one of those hondas with 100,000 miles on it, because you know you'll get another 100,000 out of it. <laughs> well, we, but uh, it was just interesting to hear him, like, straight up take out a brand. <laughs> well, it, it was, and, and we, we had thought that they, again, at the time we got a good deal, and it was, Sarah got into an accident, it wrecked it, and we got a great deal on, like, a Toyota 2009, and Sarah's like, I would rather drive this than our other car. And for Sarah to no. say that she'd rather drive a van than another car <laughs> is amazing. Um, but no, it's it's got a smooth ride. It's nice. I mean, um, it doesn't have a lot of the bells and whistles or anything. But I mean, it's, it's a nice Toyota, and the van drives great. And uh, we, um, when we've been looking at stuff like the bells and whistles are kind of nowadays, like you get so much more than 
like a baseline 2005 mm-hmm. Honda minivan had like air conditioning if you're lucky. Right. Now it's like standard mirrors, standard backup cams, like uh and I mean you get like a 2015 Honda and all that stuff's kind of getting to be like on the lower trim levels. Right. So it's just kind of nice to know that by the time we actually buy a van, um it the the baseline will be like leather seats. <laughs> like, you know, heated leather seats, he, right? Yes, <laughs> oh man, that's the one thing I said I wanted in my next car and I didn't get it. What is that? Heated seats. Heated, okay. Yeah. See, the one thing that I want is like the what is it? The the remote starter. Oh yeah, don't then, ever get one of those third party though. No, okay. We've done that twice and both times it's burned us. Really? Why? Wait, what happens? I had one on a a Ford Ranger that I had and it did really well until uh one day the battery died and when I replaced the battery in it it never worked the same way again. Really? And I think if I would have taken it back to the shop that did it, they might have been able to do something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then we had one on... Um, I got one for Jill on her Saturn when we first got married. And like one out of every like 20 times, mm-hmm. it would try and turn over the engine, but the engine wouldn't actually start. Oh, wow. And so like... And if you did that once, you had to wait like... 20 minutes 15, to flood. 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Before, before you could even use the key to do it. Oh, because so, you flooded it out. Yeah, so oh. it was it was just awful. And so we've, like, if you get it with the car, like uh-huh. if it comes on it, yeah, the, you know, manufacturer, great. But third party, not a fan. And okay. bo- both those incidences were probably 10 years apart. Okay, because so. I was, because the idea, I don't necessarily live in the best neighborhood. So leaving your car running with the keys in there nah. doesn't necessarily mean your car will still be out there when you go. So like the idea of like hitting the, you know, hitting the starter and letting it just kind of warm up. Oh, that sounds awesome. But oh, yeah. I'll keep that in mind because I almost bought Sarah a remote starter thing for, for this past winter. Um, but, okay, I'll keep yeah, that in mind. I, I mean, you might want to do your research on it big time. But, this, I mean, now it's been 10 years since we've had that starter. So, okay. you know, do your research. Okay. Well, now that you've had our car review session mm. and remote starter session, um, yeah, don't buy a Kia van, but Toyota was good. Yeah, and uh, Chevy Traverse, uh, no es bueno. Mm-hmm. He's always telling me how he just wishes the thing would die. Kind of. We we owe, unfortunately, we owe like, I think, 1300 bucks on it. Mm. And part of me is like, I bet you I can get 2000 if I take it to a dealer. <laughs> if, as long as it starts, they'll give you that in a trade-in, right? <laughs> uh, that's what you can hope. But then the other part of me is like, well, we could just keep it to beat up and haul things around in if we just pay it off, so... I'm on the fence in that. Okay. It, it would be nice to have that thing where you could throw like 17 bags of mulch in there, you know, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. So, all right. So, yeah, not a fan of that. Car part. reviews. Yep. So, we could uh, transition this uh, in some smooth manner. Well, last week we finished talking about honesty and trade and the how. Um, so, that's how we finished. That by talking about dishonesty. And we came to the conclusion that you are a dishonest trader. Oh, I thought we were going to the Traverse trade and that. Okay. And anyway, that has nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to just go with the whole trade thing. (laughs) Um, But so since we bombed that one. um, No, I bombed it by talking out of turn. So chapter 25, um, we're going to finish off chapter 25 and see how far through 26 we can get. Um, 
I am still fighting with these levels. I am so sorry. Okay, so he's still fighting with the levels. I don't have a compressor on. That's interesting. And I don't even know what that means. I used to have one, and that used to be how I got rid of this gain. But it's gone. I need to... uh, It's okay. We can go on. What are we doing? Um, Chapter 25, and we're going to go 17 through 19. All right. One thing I would recommend is try and keep about three inches away from the mic. Okay. A little closer than that. A little closer right here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm Your, as always, yours is, sounds better than mine, but mine is, is sound like a robot. Well, that's kind of cool. Distortion. And I'm going to redo well, this. You setup. like distortion. I, you know, I'm going to redo this setup, I think, sometime between now and the next time we record. Okay. So, hey, all you faithful listeners, thanks so much mm-hmm. um, for putting up with my hack sound. I'm going to I'm gonna watch a YouTube video on how to do this right, though. I was going to say, if you don't know how to do something, YouTube will always tell you how to do it. Yeah. And it's always... Or I'm going to use Reaper like I've been promising to do, which I know how to use. Okay. It's a much better... Program? Yeah. Okay. No offense, GarageBand. Yeah, offense, GarageBand. Really? Scam call? Oh, he's got okay. a scam call. You can read... Uh, okay, so where are we? Um, chapter 25, verse 17. All right. Through 19. Fire in the hole. Remember what... Um, Amalek did to you on the way as he came out of Egypt, how he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail, those who were lagging behind you, and he did not fear God. Therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess, you shall blot out the memory of Amalek and uh, from under heaven you shall not forget." Yay! Retribution theology. So apparently, um, God isn't necessarily a fan. Um, and as I was reading, and I know that I, it's Amalek. But Amalek. That's cool. Okay. Yep. Pretty cool. See, Amal. What is it? Amalek. Amalek. Because it's the Amalekites. Amalek. Oh, yeah, Amalek. Amalek. That's him. You're all good. You're all good. Amalek. <laughs> Say it again. Amalek. Amalek. Got it. All right. It's till the next time I forget. Yeah, but that's the way they pronounce it in college. It could be. Whatever you said. I don't know what I said. Amalek? Yeah, you're good. Amalek. I got it now. I don't, I don't really Amalek, care. Amalek. You say Amalek, it however you Amalek. want. Amalek. Tomato, I'm tomato. I'm saying Amalek. 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 I don't know. Ew. Is that? Amalek's honey? That's gross. All right. No. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. What you got, man? All right. <clears throat> oh, so there is definitely an, an interaction and not necessarily a positive interaction with Amalek. And um, the Israelites in Exodus 17, where you might remember when, you know, they're trying to hold Moses's hands in the air. And when his hands are up, things are going well. When they go down, um, things aren't going so hot. And so they got to help him keep his hands up. Uh, At least the commentary I read said this is not the situation that's going on. This (laughs) is probably a separate issue. Um, And that ultimately... um, God has beef with the people, or not the people, but with Amalek. Um, how do you say Amalek? Amalekite? Amalekites? Amalekites. Oh, yeah, that, yeah that's how I've heard it before. Amalekites. No, I don't know how to say it. Am, Amalekites. Amalekites. Amalek. You're fine. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so ultimately his beef with them is that they were a merciless uh, people, and those that were lagging behind would have been people like the elderly, the very young, the sick, the pregnant, um, and to basically to attack such to, to attack the defenseless people um, is ultimately a sign of extreme human callousness. Um, so 
God is ultimately judging them because of that. Um, it's not necessarily that it's because they're anti-Israel. It's more that they're anti-human, that, that God has problems with them. Um, yeah. Well, there's there's actually a little bit more behind it. Oh, I don't have that. Go for it. Um, for one, the uh, Malachites were Esau's lineage. Oh, yeah. So they were technically the brothers of the Israelites, and they were doing these dirty tactics on their own kin in a way, sort of to speak. So it was already a... The story of Jacob and Esau takes place uh, hundreds and hundreds of years before... I wonder if it's a thousand. I can't think of my timeline. Um, years before this battle even happened, is what happened is there's two brothers, Jacob and Esau, and Esau basically sells his uh, his rightful place as the the bloodline that would start Israel, uh, you know, for a bowl of soup from his brother. Uh, one day he basically hands it all over to him, and then uh, Jacob steals the remainder of Esau's uh, inheritance through some shenanigans by tricking his blind father um, into thinking that he's Esau. So, um, but Esau really doesn't care because he wanted the wealth, but he didn't have any concern for like God and uh, God's plan, which you could see by him just like saying, "Hey, the birthright, whatever. Give me some soup. I'm hungry," kind of thing. Uh, so there's already like Esau turning his back on God and God's people, on God's plan, on the lineage, on the on the promise to Abraham of you know having descendants and all that kind of stuff. So that's already Esau strike one. Now his people are attacking their brothers, and like you said, a barbaric and a like a cowardly fashion where they're just picking off the the slow and the end of the herds and doing. Um, you know, cruel and inhumane things to the Israelites who are their brothers, uh, technically. So they had like basically no moral compass at this point. They were a very barbaric nation um, that has now double turned their back on God. So Esau for one, and then his descendants for two, saying we don't care about God's people and what they do. We're just going to destroy them. So that's, I thought that was kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting. I didn't get any of that. That's good stuff. Uh, there's the old uh, verse, and I can't think of where it is. Um, for Jacob, he loved, and Esau, he hated. Mm-hmm. And I think we're starting to see more and more why Esau right. was kind of on the the short end of that stick because mm-hmm. of his constant uh, overt rebellion and lack of repentance that extends all the way through his, his lineage. Yeah. yeah. So there you have it. Oh, that's kind of neat. Um, I like how uh, Grisanti says, uh, which is the writer of the commentary I have, it, just because you and I haven't uh, recorded in some time, I feel like I have to like make everybody remember all the stuff that we might have forgotten. Right, because <laughs> it's been weeks since we've recorded yes. just due to... Uh, it's been busy for all of us, and yeah. yeah. Um, he talks about how uh, Israel was the tools of God's divine judgment to exterminate the people who had no fear of God. They were to take care of... Uh, unfinished business. Mm. So it's pretty ominous. Ooh, <laughs> unfinished business. <Yes. clears throat> that even sounds dangerous. Well, if you look at the um, the, the NIV says um, on 19, when the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land, he is giving you possession as an inheritance. You shall blot out the memory of Amalek or Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget. So remember a couple podcasts ago, 
there was the blot out phrase was that divine judgment to blot out somebody's family lineage by not carrying on the marital duties to... Uh, I'm trying to keep this one safe for work. <laughs> by not carrying out the marital duties of your brother with his wife, um, you would blot out that person's name and God will look down on that. And here we're seeing a uh, divine mandate to blot out the Ooh. memory of Amalek huh. and his people. Very interesting. So okay, there you that's kind of cool. Yeah, kind of cool in a well, kind of cool. divine judgment sort of way. Well, being able to just see the the depth of what God's trying to communicate through that, where it's not yeah. just it's not just a little piece. So in my Bible, it's labeled miscellaneous laws. But right. actually, yeah, that's what it says in mine. Yeah. But actually, though, when you look at it, it's not really just a miscellaneous law. There, there actually is is context and a deeper connection between um, this right here and, and ultimately what what you just described with what we had talked about last week or or two weeks ago when, whenever you you've listened to this and so <laughs> so it, it's kind of neat to be able to see <laughs> see God has a divine plan kind of you know a connection between all of that yeah so, um, there, it, it is interesting that there's like kind of a lot more and it, it, I don't fall I mean these guys that did the translations and stuff smarter than me, obviously, oh, yeah. by leaps and bounds, but it's kind of a shame when you get those headings, which the headings are usually put in uh, uniformly among translations. So whether you have a ESV, a NIV, a NLT, NASB, whatever, you probably have the same little headings like miscellaneous laws. And it's kind of a shame that we've stuck with that for some of these because, as you can see, this is like this should be like dealing with Esau's kin or something. Right. You know, it, sh- it should have a better heading. But, so yeah, you know what it, it is what it is I guess yep and you don't have to read the headings um, that's not necessarily part of scripture that's yeah it's not divine yeah it's just it was not in the Greek when they translated it that was just kind of their quick interpretation of that section yeah um, it's a quick commentary yeah so let's go on to 26 yeah welcome to a new chapter all right, chapter 26, and we're gonna start off by just going you said one through five one through four looks like how I have it broken up. And if it ends funny, go on ahead and read the next verse. <laughs> Sounds good. So when you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall Go to the priest who is in office in that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. What you got? I'm doing a quick scan. Okay. I took these notes a month ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's doing a quick scan. Yeah, we, we kept, we were supposed to meet last week and then... We weren't uh, able to, and then the week before, and we weren't able to, and yeah, and I was out of town, and yeah, you were having surgery, and yep, whatever else. I won't HIPAA you. Don't worry, HIPPO me. Don't worry. Every time I go in there, they're like, "Do you need the HIPPO agreement?" I say, "I do not need a HIPPO. I can't yeah, afford I to feed um, it." And they're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> um, it makes it sound like you're in the hospital a lot, right? And you are. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the only thing I have here is that uh, we're seeing here is. Uh, God is fulfilling his end of the bargain, and there's kind of a command to do the same. But that's all I really got on this 
Like, this is just to remember the greatness of what God has done. Um, they are to declare what God has done partially to see the full fruition of his promise. Um, so basically, he fulfills his oath, and the people are presenting their first fruits as a reminder of, like, they didn't do this mm-hmm. kind of thing. And 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 again, even, even with what we just talked about with the last part of 25 and the beginning part of 26, we're reminded that when you take possession of the land, when you take possession of the inheritance. So this Deuteronomy, especially this part, is really getting ready for them to start actually gaining that land that God is going to give yeah. to them. And in fact, Joshua comes after Deuteronomy, and this is when they're they're actually going in and, and taking taking that land. And so he's giving them rules and guidelines and, and really a good way. He's setting up a society that's supposed to be a godly society that will help them to live long. If you remember, we've talked about live long a lot throughout Deuteronomy. Um, and so this is kind of what they're trying to do is to, to kind of set that up. And um, once again, we see where they are to acknowledge that it was not themselves, but it was God who brought them into there. And by offering the first fruits, it was ultimately a way of um, giving back um, the first fruits of the first of what, what God had ultimately given to to them. Um, it was an offering. Um, it was an offering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> an act of worship, an act of, yeah. Um, which we will find out later on when we get to a little bit further in this, leads them to that, that worship where God calls them to rejoice. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about I continue to 11 then? Yeah, and I think that'll kind of cap this section a little better. Yep. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he was, uh, and he, uh, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us, and laid laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord. The Lord of our fathers and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. So really, we kind of see this section continued with an act of remembrance, but but ultimately mm-hmm. ends with, with that act of worship for, for what God had done. And this is where I argue that... Uh, remembering is actually an act of worship mm-hmm. and not remembering like all the times you didn't get what you want or all the times that you felt let down by others and stuff like that. But remembering what God has done for you is is truly an act of worshiping God. So like having those thoughts and remembrances. And I, I kind of took some time to think about that. So what does that look like? And I think of like a lot of the songs that we sing at our church, um, there's remembrance. When we say, sometimes we'll sing psalms at our church. Mm-hmm. You're remembering specifically through the psalms key events of what God has done for his people throughout all of history. Right. Um, when we sing modern, I say modern hymns that were written in the 1800s or <laughs> 1700s or, you know, or whatever, um, in some cases, 15 and 1600s, uh, 
we're remembering what God has done once again through history and through our people, and then how many times that applies to like where we are. <coughs> excuse me. Currently, so uh, remembering is very important. But oh, I I kind of got lost off my trail because I was looking at you looking for a pen. <laughs> it's like, what's he looking Sorry. for? Um, think of like when you're with friends or or think about, I think we have a lot of common history of this. Mm-hmm. You're, you're around a, a table with friends. You're around a fire pit with friends. You're at a camp out with friends. What do people do? Joke? They re- reminisce. Oh, they tell yeah, stories. They yeah. they, you uh-huh. remember. There's something great about remembering. If you think of... Um, Jesus's uh, command for communion, do this in remembrance of me. There's this over and over and over and over again call to remember. So once again, I argue well, that those, remembering is worship. And those stories deep, uh, build a deeper relationship. I mean, although yeah. they're, <clears throat> I guess, rehash stories in a way, they're, they're stuff that they've been, but it's, it's, it's things that you've been through that deepen that friendship and that relationship amongst, what's amongst this, friends and people. What's a psalm? And it might be multiple psalms. Um, <clears throat> the Lord has done great things for us, and we were filled with joy. I mean, right there is remembering. Yeah. Hey, he's done mm-hmm. great things for us, and we were filled with joy. Let's do it again. Yeah. It's probably a psalm of exile. <laughs> Sounds like a, a Babylonian psalm. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when he did good things for us? And now we eat these bitter herbs. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, but, <laughs> and I also, like, so I was, I was looking for a pen, which I, I guess kind of threw you off a little bit. That's but, all right. But as I was reading it, I realized, so um, right, let me go back to, to what I just read. <clears throat> um and the Egyptians treated, so it says, a wandering Aramean was my father. So they use the word like my, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there. So what Abraham, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid us on a hard labor. Well, the thing is, is these people that right now were not necessarily in Egypt. True. So Moses? It was about it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Joshua, right? And Yeah, absolutely. So, and those were the only ones that were really allowed to, you know, to continue before they were able to start going to that land. Caleb? S- huh? Caleb? Ooh, he was old. Know. He was old, so I'll throw him in so there. So Caleb might have been in there. Yeah, yeah, we'll throw Caleb. There, there weren't many. Way to go, Caleb. <laughs> and Joshua. You guys, mean, might, you guys might want to cross-check the information on that one. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we didn't look that one ahead of time. We're, we're throwing that one out there by memory. And my memory's not always good. Yeah. Um, my memory comes mostly from the Ten Commandments movie, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> but Joshua remained about 32 years old through the entire film while Ooh. Moses got old. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know there. Yeah, you might want to cross-fact-check that one. But sorry, yeah. go on. All right. I digress. Um, but anyway, so the words us, us, my, you, like... There was ownership that was taken in that um, ownership and, and remembering of a God who intervened in their lives, um, and and so God ultimately it's kind of like a narrative of well it's a narrative of worship and ownership. It's saying you are the God that ultimately brought us into this land, and it's giving God credit for what He's done in your life. And although you might not have been present during that time. If you consider yourself an Israelite or one of God's people, then then you're kind of put into God's story. And so I guess by by really re-saying this narrative, I guess who are they saying it to? It's are they saying it to the priest or he's saying it to the people. 
<clears throat> wondering, and you shall make response before the Lord your God. So before God, you are making this response of um, a wanderer was my a wanderer, Aramean was my father. You brought us out of slavery in Egypt. So you're saying. I like, I like how you didn't want to say Aramean. <laughs> I'm wondering. That's because, like, Balak to Malak. And so ultimately, we see um, where there's ownership and, and, and a God who has intervened in our lives that has given us this. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely see where there's worship. It's just those words started to stand out. So I'm probably rambling a lot, but that's because it kind of, I'm kind of thinking, uh, talking out loud what. what through those words and kind of what that means. Yeah, but I think that's kind of a cool way of look at it is to realize that although they weren't there, um, they are still declaring that before God, that that is our God, mm -hmm. the one who gave us this land. Now, here, here's another thing that I found interesting in that part. Uh, at the end of the section there, uh, do, 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 verse 11, and you, well, no, sorry, let me go to 10. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner among you. So this is like a, a very interesting, and I can't put, put it into the words that I want to, but just kind of picture it for a second. People are coming and they're bringing their offering and they're laying it down and it's going to be on display and everybody is going to rejoice, even those who had no way to take care of themselves or contribute to it. Mm -hmm. So people that didn't have land or that had limited means like the Levites and the sojourners and the aliens, people that had joined the community but did not have rights to the community were still welcome to come in and rejoice and the offerings that other people brought. Mm. So like there's a there's a million things that go through my head. It's like I you know, I go to my church and I, and one person tithes 20 bucks a month and another person tithes 2000 a month. And when we feed 200 families and get coats for 300 children, everybody rejoices in that. Mm. Which I just thought was kind of neat. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's kind of like the, it doesn't matter what you brought to the table. You brought your first fruits. It, there's not a quantity thing. And like, hey, you who's the newcomer, you rejoice in this as well. We're all rejoicing in what God has done and how he's provided, right. regardless of what your contribution was, no matter how big or small, which takes you to the uh, widow in the temple who brings her two pennies, essentially, uh, and tithes them, and God says, surely she's given more than you who tithe out of your spices, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. It's like everybody rejoices, and it's it's really what's coming from that, the heart of that tithe is saying, God, thank you for what you've done. You've blessed us abundantly. Here's my first fruits. Which, which is very, I mean, it's very applicable to our world today because most of us, I mean, if we're listening to this podcast or if we're if we're listening to this podcast, that means we've got some sort of technology that that's probably better than. Well, oh, I mean, yeah, we, we've 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 we own things, you know, whether that's our home, whether that's a car, whether that's our 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 phone or whatever we listen to our podcast through or the internet, and so really we've been blessed a lot. And here they were blessed with the land, and we've been given 
equally as, as good of blessings. Um, and so they are bringing their first fruits as an act of worship. And as you said earlier, that act of worship is here's the, this God that has worked and intervened in his people's lives throughout history. Mm-hmm. And we as well can take ownership and saying, well, wait a second, this is the same God that, I mean, in a sense, that's part of our history as well. I mean, we were slaves in Egypt and God rescued us from that bondage. You can say, well, well, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, you know, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And, and ultimately, he calls us to an act of worship and an act of obedience here, an opportunity to give our first fruits because of what he's done. And we can still apply that to our world today as we give back to God part of our own first fruits. But even through our obedience and our worship, we have that opportunity to, to be um, grateful and to rejoice because of what God's done throughout our history, Old Testament, New Testament, and even currently in our lives today. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I guess I can kind of rant a little bit like where you hear about like such and such church doing such and such great things. So many people get this like jealousy like chip on their shoulder, like, oh, that's because they're pastors, blah, blah, blah. And they, they get angry instead of rejoicing. And, hey, man, that's really cool. They yeah. had 400 kids show up for their VBS. 400 kids heard the gospel for a week straight. Right. Instead, we're like, yeah, well, we don't like the music they play or we don't like the preaching they do because it's not as harsh as ours or their pastor's, you know, right. too soft-spoken or, you know, or like their building is a big waste of money and they're in debt. It's right. like, no, man, they brought, like rejoice with them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, uh, sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to go on that rant. I got to stop before it so, becomes so, a podcast in and of itself. And I say something I regret and then I'm, you know, excommunicated from my church or the podcast. I own all the equipment. Podcast will go on. And you're the only one that knows how to work it. And I'm the only one who has the password to the website that uploads it. <laughs> so I guess I'm getting excommunicated, and then you can listen to heresy. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. You can excommunicate me all you want. <laughs> but it's my ball. And I wonder who I talked to. Hey, me. <laughs> yes, Scott. <laughs> what did you do today? Well, you know exactly what I did today. <laughs> this is Scott's office phone podcast. <laughs> so that's all, that's all, all I right. got that. Before I before I spiral out of control. All right, so with that, um, 12 through 15 was the next section, wasn't it? Yeah, I love this section. <clears throat> when you have finished paying, and this is chapter 26, uh, verse 12 through 15. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, and the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house, and moreover I have given it to the Levite, to the sojourner, to the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I gotten forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. I I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless people is and bless people Israel and the ground that you have given us, as you swore to your fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is an awesome section. Okay, he's way excited. Go for it. What do you? But, well, do you have? A, I, I want to make sure I don't overstep um, Christopher Wright. I don't know. I don't have a ton in this section, so I'm actually really Excellent. curious. I'm going to finish the podcast. All right. <laughs> I mean, I've got um, some stuff from 16 through... Uh, but no, I, I, go for it. We're not going to get there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, How much do you have? No, I, it's not a lot, but it is definitely important. And I've, I have actually 
had several conversations with my wife about this, and I've had um, a lot of thoughts churning in my head about this. But we once again we get to see the tithe being used to care for others, um, and we once again see people with limited means getting provision. So what we see here, in a sense, of this tithe is also charity and giving to those in need. But there's like this intensity in what happens before they give. Like there's this, like there's a declaration that like goes through all the, uh, it's like a declaration that's like putting out everything that's going on there. It's a ritualistic purification that's happening here before they give to the needy. Hmm. Like, I, now I feel like all the good words are gone. So I'll read this from my notes. It says, The declaration is global in nature. The person is to offer it, testify to the honesty and integrity, then ask God to look down on the entirety of his people and bless them and the land for where it has been given. Um, in this, we are showing the sacredness of giving to the needy and the ritual purity demanded for these offerings. Um, and I I started and ended the sentence with the same words, so I'll end it right there. Um, but basically what's going on here is before giving to the needy, before providing for other, there's a sacredness and intensity and a, a demand for a ritual cleanse that has to happen. Mm. God takes the provision for others seriously. So, and we see some of the New Testament, like the, you know, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing kind of stuff. There is this entire phrase that they're saying that's basically a check on their hearts to make sure that they're not giving out of like a compulsion to be famous or to look good or, or anything like that. It, they're giving out of a, I don't know how to put it, like basically out of a, I, I don't want to say a mandate because that makes it sound like it's forced, but there's a mandate to be, see, I had all this good stuff, but I can't put it into words because I'm waiting for you to give me some feedback. <laughs> so, um, do you know, do you know, do you see what I'm saying? I, I, I do. I'm, I'm trying to find, um, something I just literally read. Okay. So, ah, okay. So <clears throat> I, I was reading today. So I've been reading, um, Matthew. Um, I, I know I do an old Testament podcast, but I've been... This is why we suffer. I'm sorry. I'm now excommunicated. <laughs> so I've been studying Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which I've come to the conclusion is the hardest part of the Bible, and um, it's the hardest one to actually live out. And I was talking to someone where I was like, you know, I want to go back to the rules of Deuteronomy because um, <laughs> when Jesus comes in and he takes all of those things from Deuteronomy and he says, well, here's what this says, but here's what, you, here's what it really means. You're like... Well, dang. What is it? Can my, I go back to Deuteronomy? My wife and I were talking about that as well, and everyone says like, oh, man, New Testament Jesus is the easy. He's the loving. It's like, no, he made everything harder. No, he made it harder. We, um, we were trying to get away with stuff the easy way before, and he comes in and says, oh, it's your heart, not yeah. your head. I want to go back to Deuteronomy. <laughs> so I was reading, I was studying Matthew 7, um, 15 through 20, and it talks about the idea of um, bearing good fruit. And a lot of times when we 
when we think good fruit, we sit there and go, well, that pastor has a large church, or um, that person has healed the sick, or that person has... And I'll go ahead and read it. It says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their, fr- uh, by their fruits. Um, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or fig from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear good fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Um, oh, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. So actually, it was the next part that I wanted to read. <laughs> Whoops. So in verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And I was reading that, and, and I was at first I was trying to figure out this idea of good fruit and bad fruit, and we think, okay, well, if someone's healing in Jesus' name and someone is preaching the gospel and people are coming to his church or, or whatever, we're, we're like, oh, that, that's some good fruit. But really, when you go back to the rest of... Um, when you go back to the rest of Matthew 6, it's that idea of ultimately... Um, and all, or all Matthew 6 and 7, it's that idea of you're actually not supposed, you're supposed to do things quietly. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to do things in secret. Do you want a reward from you? So it's all, it goes back, do you want the reward from your father or do you want the reward from people? And, right. and a lot of times we want that reward from people, but when we do things quietly and for God, we get that reward from our father. And so the good fruit actually is not necessarily um, always those big healings and those things that ever, you know, that, that ability to prophesy and speak in tongues and, and, and pray, pray here or preach here. It's, it's, it's actually f- fulfilling the rest of Jesus's teachings through obedience. And so the Ooh, things, back to obedience is our, so the things that God asks us to do, or Jesus asks us to do in Matthew five, six, and seven, all come down to a quiet obedience that you do directly to God. Mm-hmm. And so the good fruit isn't necessarily the big things that we all want to pursue and be seen and rewarded by others, but it's that quiet obedience that we give back to God. Mm-hmm. And I feel like kind of what you were saying here is that idea of God cares about the aliens, the fatherless, the widows, the sojourners, all of those people, and he finds them as valuable. And so it's not necessarily that, it, it's it's that, that quiet obedience towards taking care of those little people that ultimately causes all of God's people to come together to rejoice over um, what God has provided with the land and with the resources that they have going into the new promised land. Yeah. So I think that what you were saying was very accurate. Um, sorry, I wasn't responding no, no, right it, away. I was processing <laughs> through. I was like, oh, it, wait. It really is that, it, like I said, there's that declaration that they say <clears throat> beforehand that is the heart check. Yeah. And I, I just find it interesting that God is so serious about the state in which you are giving, the state of your obedience, mm-hmm. that he's telling them to do a heart check before they yeah. they proceed. And I just found that astonishing. Like, I, I just find that there's so many people, like we've said, especially in today's culture, like, you, you know, Chance the Rapper made waves for them. He gave millions to a public school system in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um 
And he got a lot of glory for that, mm-hmm. as opposed to giving quietly <clears throat> behind the scenes. Which, and I'm not trying to just take out Chance the Rapper. I'm just right. saying there's an example of in celebrity culture, he gave big dollars, and everybody mm-hmm. said, "Oh my gosh, look how great he is!" And I just don't think that that's deuteronomical. <laughs> well, because it's the community as a whole. Gospel. Well, Right, it's that community as a whole. It's like what you were talking about earlier. Oh, that church does that, and instead of rejoicing together, mm-hmm. we, we, we were actually, in a sense, fighting against other churches. And it's like, well, wait a second. We are God's people, right. and, and God has blessed all of us with more than we deserve. And Especially if you're in the United States. Right, <laughs> and we should not be... On a tangible level, I should say. Yeah. And Salvation sh- is more than we deserve. And we mm-hmm. should not, right, we should not be getting glory for the things that God asks us to do in quiet and did God create us to, in a sense, want a reward to, to be appreciated? Yes, I think. Yeah. But I we, think that's from God, not from other people. Right. And I think that there's right places for being appreciated. And I know that, um, like, there's even a tendency in my life that uh, maybe if you go unappreciated for a long time and somebody tells you they appreciate something you've done, it does feel great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a, it is a good thing. I think there is a exhortation uh, that happens when we appreciate each other. We, we build each other up by telling people we've appreciated what they've done. Which I think Paul calls us to encourage, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I will never forget this. We had, um, and I won't say their names, uh, when we had had our third child right after we moved into our home uh, our first house, our only house that we bought, but it was the first home we ever bought. Uh, about a year later, we had our, our daughter, and uh, our church that we had only been going to for maybe about four months at the time put together like this meal train. Like every other day, somebody came over and brought us a meal. And I was like <coughs> really overwhelmed at like how much food I now had to eat mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because I was like, well, I can't let it go bad because I'm wasting everybody's work here. Right. Well, near the end of the the line, like when the, the train was drying up kind of thing, um, these college kids came by and they brought like B dubs <laughs> and they brought like, ton- like, I didn't even know what they were bringing. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're like, I was just talking to him. I was talking to this one kid. We were talking about guitars. I didn't realize that he was like a very accomplished guitarist. Right. And I was just like, Oh man, this kid's trying to learn. That's really cool. Um, but he's like, he could have taught me, <laughs> but, um, so as they're leaving, I like, you know, they're kind of out the door and I like open up to see, and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's like four different types of wings in here. And, like, if you've ever been to B-dubs, you know how expensive that can be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm, like, running out there, like, thanks, guys. This is the best one ever. This <laughs> is great. Like, what a high note to go. You know, like, I'm really excited. And I think, like, to some extent, they were probably, like, oh, man, he really appreciated what we had. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They did no. not bring me B-dubs. They were probably, like, well, we're college kids. We don't really have a kitchen. What can we bring them? Hey, B Dub's got some really great takeout container. Let's do it, you know. But like yeah. to show that appreciation, I don't think was wrong. But but they weren't yeah. going out for that reward. They right. were doing they it were out of like, obedience because of what God called them to do. Right. They're being charitable to us. They're being kind to us, and they just hit the nail on the head. It was right. Like one of my favorite foods. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think that like showing that appreciation, there's nothing wrong with that. Writing thank you notes. I don't think anybody brought us food thinking they're getting a thank you note. Right. Um, they didn't bring us food knowing, thinking that I was going to embarrass them in front of the whole neighborhood by shouting at my door, you guys are awesome, you know, or whatever. It's just we are built to be uh, appreciating others and to feel appreciation. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But if we go out to seek the appreciation, to seek the glory of others, we're, we're doing it wrong and yeah. we're robbing ourselves of future 
reward mm-hmm. in one aspect, and we're robbing God of glory that he rightfully deserves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, since we're getting to like the last 10 minutes or so, 15 of the podcast, you want to finish up 16 nights, or do you have anything else? No, I think we probably should. Oh, one last thing. Uh, the phrase of the dead in this, uh, where he says, like, I did not give up the dead, it could be referring to offerings to Baal or Molech, the gods of death, essentially, mm-hmm. um, or to the pagan ritual of putting food on gravestones. I have still seen that nowadays. Is that really a thing? Seriously? Yeah. People do that? So apparently they did it a lot back then. Oh, I So didn't... I thought that was kind of interesting because I know that, like, you know, leaving flowers on a grave is one thing, but, like, I have seen people leave... You love the pot pie. It's like, you know, so they put one on the gravestone, and it's actually got some roots in some paganism. I have never known anybody to go ahead and... I didn't know that was a thing. I've seen it at gravesites. Okay. Like, I've seen, like, cookies left behind and stuff like that. Like, here's his favorite. that we bring it to the... It's, it could That's have its root. So be careful what you leave on the gravestones. Yes. You a bunch of pagans. Don't leave pizza. Food. Yeah. Because somebody else could have eaten that pizza, and you could have given it to them for the glory of God. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't even know what to say. So, um, 16 through 19. <laughs> this day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart, with all your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes and his commandments and his rules and will obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he has promised you, and that you are to keep all his commandments, and that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor, high above all the nations that he has made, and that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God as he promised. Hey, does that mean we can't pour one out for our dead homies anymore? Pour one out? You know, like pour a 40 out for you. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess so. What, that's, that's pagan ritual? I guess so, unless you're watering the flowers. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. Okay. So flowers <laughs> like to drink, right? Yeah. I got a good. We got it. Uh, anyway. So, um, yeah. Um. So what I have here is I have that this kind of shows a commitment between God and His people. Um. Each person, person, God, 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 and God's people, um, each have a role. Um. For in verse seventeen, uh, we as God's people have declared that the Lord is our God. Um, that we will walk in his ways, uh, that we will keep his statutes and his commandments and his rules, and we will obey his voice. Um, in return, um, the Lord has declared today that you are a people, or we are his treasured possession, um, as he has promised us, um, that we are to keep his commands, that he will set us in praise and in fame and in honor, high above all nations that he has made. Now with that, though, um, that um, is not necessarily a place of of, of national pride, it is uh, kind of a reminder in a way that this is kind of a, a missional book as well as a, a book on how to live in relationship with God um, because Israel was supposed to be an example to all the other nations. And so when that praise and fame and that honor comes from other nations, it is not supposed to be a, ooh, aren't we a great nation and, and I'm a good king. It is, look what God has done. He brought us out of Egypt. He brought us out of slavery. He gave us this land, and everything we have is God's. 
And so that that fame is not supposed to be like we don't want to misinterpret that even in our today's culture going, oh, well, we're going to be great if we are obedient. <laughs> no, it is that our, the reminder that, that Israel um, and our lives um, and all the good that comes out of it is ultimately supposed to be an example to the other nations and to those that don't know God <laughs> about how amazing he is. And, and so all of the glory is supposed to be not brought back to us, but brought back to God. And if we were, depending on where we go in the Old Testament, um, we're going to find out that a lot of the issues with Israel is going to come down to kings that are going to take <laughs> that glory for themselves and not give it back to God. And ultimately, um, that's going to um, displace them from that, that fame and that honor um, that is going to bring them high above nations. And in <laughs> fact, they will later on become prisoners and exiled to some of these nations because of um, those choices. Yeah. I think the, a couple other uh, cool <laughs> parts there is one, um, this isn't like an obligation or a dreaded chore on God's part. Uh, he says, and the Lord declared this day, you are his people, his treasured possession as he promised, um, and that you are to keep his commandments. But there's that treasured possession. That's like if if you give somebody like we'll go with an engagement ring, you give somebody a diamond or some kind of precious stone and ask them to marry you, that wedding ring to some extent becomes a treasured possession. And only as somebody who might have some maybe mental issues in, in some regard uh, would think that, it, man, it's an obligation that I got to take care of this precious jewelry. No, there's an excitement about it. There's a, there's a love that comes behind it. There's an appreciation that comes behind it. They want to take care of that treasured possession. Um, in my case, I got a, you know, I've got a, a Paul Reed Smith guitar. It, it, it's a treasured possession. I do not feel obligated when I play it. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, I got to keep this thing safe. What do I do with it? It's such a, a chore to, get. I'm like, this is the coolest guitar I've ever owned. You know, th there's, there's a joy that comes from that. It, it, this, now, if we go into a bigger uh, realm outside of like physical possessions, I look at my kids and think these are my kids. I do not feel like a burden. They're not, I mean, sometimes they're burdensome, but I don't feel like this burden to take care of them. Like, oh, these kids, man, they're pain, you know, and some people do sinfully like look down on having to raise their kids. And sometimes I fall into sin and I'm like, man, sometimes I wish this one would go to boarding school, you know, kind <laughs> of thing. But it's, there's a love that's there. There's a desire to be with his people. It's not a pain in God's side. Mm. And I think that that's another thing that looking at it in today's application as his people, as the ones that his son came to save, we are not a thorn in his side. He doesn't, allow redemption begrudgingly, he gives us salvation willingly and desires that we are his. Mm. So it's, once again, it's some things never change. Yep. Is he was not mad that he had to watch out for the Israelites. They right. didn't like, you know, okay, I guess you'll be my people. I could have picked the Amalekites, but I'll pick you. You right. know, it was never like that. Unfortunately, they'll treat him like he's a burden. Unfortunately, over and over and over again. And wait, still happens yeah mm -hmm. uh, i gotta go to church on sunday mm -hmm. i guess i should go to community group <laughs> my wife and i haven't been a part of one in like a year Uh oh we have community group guilt okay i'm sorry we can pray for you dang 
<laughs> after we unexcommunicate you. Oh yeah, I have to mm-hmm. see if I'm welcome back in my church. Right. Oh no, I was gonna say the podcast. Oh, the podcast. I was gonna uh-huh. say. I mean, I'm a deacon there. It's kind of weird. I'm excommunicated, <laughs> but I'm a deacon. <laughs> but you know, yeah. uh, weirder things have happened. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so just a lowly deacon, excommunicated from his church because Dude, he didn't go to a community quote. group. Yep. And I forget why. Why do we excommunicate you from the podcast? I forget. Oh, I do remember. Never mind. You know what? I don't it's want to bring up to those hard feelings. Yeah, on. it <laughs> is. So with that, um, we went New Testament a lot today. Yeah, but um, that's because the Bible is one <coughs> consistent absolutely book. It is his uh, whole counsel from start yep. to finish. And be careful if you do read Matthew five, six, and seven. Our church is actually going through Matthew, so we are Ooh. on the middle of six. Oh, okay. So you so know. It's been stupendous. I, I've been so I've been studying Matthew five, six, and seven with our daughters, and we've been there for a couple months. And unfortunately, I was gonna say unfortunately, <laughs> but fortunately, God has been teaching us this, um, teaching us this firsthand and in real life. And this, those are some hard chapters to go ahead oh, and yeah. read and to fully, really live out. Did, did you read uh, the, dis, the the Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard? A long time ago. It's been a while. You might want to pick up a couple of the first few chapters of that. Okay. Because he, 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 the whole book is about the discourse on the hill. Okay. Ooh. As he puts it. He starts with the Beatitudes, I think, in that book, if okay. I recall. Then I'll go ahead. I'll have to he go ahead. He and do starts that. with an apologetic, if I remember. Then he goes to. <laughs> okay, I've been reading. So I've been reading Bonhoeffer at the same time that I've been oh, reading. Oh come on! What's wrong with you? I'm sorry. Dang. Well, I figured it wasn't hard enough. I throw some Bonhoeffer <laughs> in there. Which Bonhoeffer? Acosta Discipleship. I still have never made it through that book. Really? I'd say Ooh. combined, I'm a third of the way through it. That one's a rough one. What have you read? A Life Together? No. Talk Ooh. about you want to be convicted about community groups. Who does life life together? Bonhoeffer. Oh, Bonhoeffer. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, it, this cost of discipleship is living for Jesus is hard. Would you say it's a costly grace? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't read uh, Bonhoeffer's cost of discipleship, that's a spoiler for you. Yes. But hey, we we're fifty seven minutes. Man. Okay, good deal. We, we made it. But we made a, a chapter, chapter and verses. High five. Yeah, yeah. I hope the mics picked that up. Uh-huh. I hope you guys heard our high five. Yes. I hope you appreciate what we did. Well, anyway, so next. <laughs> <laughs> well, he needs to read some Matthew 6. <laughs> yeah. Reread Deuteronomy 26. Absolutely. But hey, thanks for listening, guys. Um, Bacash.podbean.com. You can find our information there. And I believe it's bacash.outlook.com. You can email us. Um, I've got a lot of scam emails, but not a lot of fan emails. So mm-hmm. feel free to throw. I haven't said the email address in years, but thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.